Are you ready to reach the mountaintop of your life? Do you want to turn your dreams into your reality? If that sounds like you, then welcome to the Mountaintop Motivation Podcast. What's up, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Mountaintop Motivation Podcast. Today, I am here with David Lee. And David, can we start off with you introducing yourself, telling us a little bit about you, who you are, and what you do? Mm-hmm. Thank you, Jake. Appreciate you having me on. So yeah, as aforementioned, I'm David Lee. I'm a leadership, life, and relationship coach based here in Nashville, Tennessee, along with my partner in life and love and relationship, Paige Stewart. And together we own and operate a paging, paging. Oh my goodness. Wow. What am I thinking about? Mm, Thinking about my fiance is what I'm thinking about. Um, (laughs) we, uh, We run our coaching business where we provide love and support for those who are stuck. In essence, what we do is we help people get unstuck from past pain and trauma. We work with high achieving folks who are stuck in areas in which they are literally trying to navigate a way forward, maybe successful in all areas of life, but there's something going on within them that they're needing incredible amount of support and love to move forward. So that gives you a little idea. I have uh, three almost adult children. So I love being a dad. Um, they are much, uh, they are much better than their dad. Um, they're wonderful souls and, uh, I'm incredibly honored to be their dad. So, um, what else would you like to know? I love sports probably too much. Um, I'm kind of addicted to baseball. Uh, and I know that you're a huge Dodgers fan, right? Dodgers. Yes. Which by the way, I have to ask, how are you feeling about Freddie Freeman? Oh man. I'm so excited. Freddie Freeman to the Dodgers. This is going to be awesome. Yeah. As I told Paige the other day, uh, the rich get richer, Jake. Uh, (laughs) Like, oh, well, the Braves won. So guess what? We're going to go ahead and take their guy and see if we can get back. (laughs) Now, to be fair, Freddie Freeman is an L.A. guy. He was very happy to come to Los Angeles. No doubt. Um, doubt. Now, I'm not saying that it, it, you know, they, they certainly offered him more money, but at the same time, seemed like it was pretty close and it was between those two teams. And, and he was asked about making that decision. And he said, look, I got a, and I don't remember the ages, but he says, my dad was, it was late sixties and he had a grandfather in his eighties. And he said, my decision to play here really has to do with, they get to come to the ballpark and see me play. And Beautiful. I thought that was pretty cool. Very cool. Very cool. And good for him. Good for him. Good for the Dodgers. And uh, yeah, I, I have to say that in jest. Because I'm a Kansas City Royals fan, Jake. And oh, so, geez. Yeah, well, so small luck. market team. Yeah, yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, it sounded like a, yeah. you know, good luck and prayers <laughs> to you out there. Um, so, yeah, we, uh, I'm a Royals fan. Paige is a Cardinals fan. So we have a little bit of rivalry there. Uh, and then, mm. but, but most of the time, I'm in the American League. She's in the National. So we don't really deal with each other unless we were in the World Series, which that's happened one time. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, so we uh, – we, we have recently moved. Um, well, Paige has been here a little longer in Nashville, but uh, I've just recently moved here. So really enjoying a new move and, and spent most of my life in the Midwest. So coming down to the South and it's wonderful and um, establishing our business here and, and really um, getting connected into the community. And I'm glad I'm here. 
Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely, David. Now, this, this might be a kind of interesting question, but you just made a big move. And I think a lot of people are moving all over the country. There's a lot of movement going on right now. We're into those in one of those periods. Um, what's your advice for someone getting used to a new city, getting used to a new area? You know, I know that that you talk a lot about trauma in a very different way. That's one of the reasons I was interested in having this conversation was it's not always these big giant things. It can also be small things. And uh, you know, for some of us, something like moving is so simple and so easy, but to other people, uh, moving can be an example of one of those traumas. So I'd, I'd be curious your thoughts on that. Yeah, it's a great question. Fantastic question. What I will say is, is we dive into this, this idea, there's big T trauma and there's little T trauma. And what most of the time, most, most folks will relate to something called a big T trauma, big catas- cataclysmic event, something incredibly personal, um, will happen to, to them, with them, but we really recognize this idea that the little t trauma is just as potent. And to your point, moving is a deeply traumatic transitional event. And we think, oh yeah. my gosh, I'm in trauma when I... Trauma is simply a dysregulation of the nervous system. That's all trauma mm-hmm. is. So it could be somebody scaring you <laughs> from behind the bushes will cause trauma. So, and, and, and it's okay. It's okay. In other words, the trauma response is absolutely okay. So what we do in essence in our business is help our clients understand that, that trauma is normal, that we all have it, and there's always a pathway in which to heal. And to answer your question, yeah, we have been going through, I have been going through, Paige and I both have been going through a lot of transition. And there is a cognizance to the level of trauma that is affecting me. Um, as I transition here, it certainly did when she moved here as well. And those are those really, really, really important elements to understand and to recognize and to begin to heal. Hmm. So advice. Yeah, you asked. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, sure. No, I'd love to hear that. What is, I guess, it's a it's a really interesting concept. And it's not a concept that I think a lot of people think about when you hear trauma, you think about these big giant things when you when you mentioned the move, that was just kind of a thought of, hey, interesting, that's a way that we could get into that conversation. Um, but why is it that that people don't talk about that little t tra- trauma as you talk about? Um, why do you think that that's something that, that not a lot of people talk about? It seems to be very misunderstood. And how is it that affects people? I guess that's like four questions at once, but I, I'm, I'm very interested in that part yeah. of this conversation yeah. because there's lots of people we could talk about about the big T but about the little T, I think that this is a conversation that people listening to this might be hearing this for the first time and think, that's interesting. I never would have thought that that little thing could have had this impact on me. Yeah, exactly. Exactly what you're saying is the first, the first step in that is to make it okay. And that's really how we provide it. One of our mentors said, the, the really the only prerequisite in helping people navigate trauma and heal trauma is to provide a safe and secure container in which to do so. And mm. that begins with offering them the safety to say, oh, it's okay. You mean it's okay that I experienced this? Yeah. And what we, what we do is we help people navigate to this point is we want them to move from being in their trauma to being with their trauma, a significant difference. In the trauma is, is when we categorize that as re-traumatization. We want to stay away from that. Instead, we want to know that the healing can take place, right? And the first way in which to do so is to what we say, embrace it. 
which sounds like what? Wait, whoa, whoa. Because we are stigmatized. We are programmed to stay away from trauma is to push it away, to bury it, to oftentimes we hear the phrase time heals all wounds. And we counter that and we want to reshape and reframe that from work heals all wounds. Time doesn't heal Mm -hmm. wounds. (laughs) So newsflash friends, time doesn't heal wounds. And we think, oh, if we have more time between the traumatic event, or is what we call it the original incident, and then now, the more time that we have is simply going to heal it. And that's simply untrue. What needs to happen is the good work needs to take place. And we can go into all of that and how we help people navigate that. But it's simply, the first step is to embrace it, to befriend it, actually, is what we say. Um, to say, you know what, there it is. And it's okay. It's not okay that it happened, but it's okay that we're struggling. It's okay that we're Mm -hmm. suffering. It's okay that it's providing and allowing us a blockage from us moving forward. So it's really the, the empathy and the compassion that must be first, and it must be first with ourselves. And that's what we help people do is to allow themselves to have their own compassion to say, okay, this is what happened to me when I was 12, when I was 17, when I was 22, whatever the case may be. That's, that's the necessary and important step because there is so much shame associated with trauma. Too often mm. we take it on. We allowed it to happen, okay? We allowed that violence to take place. We allowed that sexual trauma to take place. We allowed whatever ha- has happened to us. And again, we wanna steer from to us to with us. It's a significant difference. Does that help? Interesting. Yeah, absolutely. When I love that idea of work heals all wounds as opposed to time heals all wounds, because I think that that statement of time heals all wounds is just another way to put shame on yourself, to put shoulds on yourself, to say, look, I should be over this because X number of years has passed. And for whatever reason, we all have a number that is the, the time for whatever has gone on, whether it's a death, whether it's a divorce, people go, oh, it's within this time. That's okay. It's past that time. It's not okay. And you pointing that out, shifting that, you know, there's all these little phrases that, that, that people say all the time that are just phrases that we say in society. We don't think have a lot of meaning, but in reality, they create all these internal beliefs and that being one of them that I should be over this now. So let's say somebody is in a situation, whatever, whatever it is, we could use any example, but let's say that someone experienced something traumatic years ago, and they are saying to themselves, I should be over this now. What would you say to that person who's saying, I should be over this because five years has passed, 10 years has passed, whatever the year is, what would you say to that person? Yeah, it's a great question. It's a great question. So I would first encourage them to identify and shape and define the word should. Tell me why. Help me understand why you think you should be over this. And what that will do is we'll open the can up. Well, because so-and-so told me this, because a podcast said this, because a book said this, because my dad said this, because my significant other said this. Because I've witnessed someone else navigate the same trauma, and they were certainly over it. So then we get into the comparison game, which, as we know, comparison robs us of joy, right? Yes. So we want to know. We're consistently asking questions back to say, okay, I should be over this. Oh, tell me about that. Why should you be? 
Well, because, okay, now we're going to get into it. And that's going to help us lead to the original incident, the original trauma and the trauma responses, right? The triggering, people say, I've been triggered. I've been triggered. I've been triggered. Ooh, that triggered me, right? Mm -hmm. That is a trauma response to the original incident. So when somebody says, I was traumatized because of divorce, because of sexual assault, because of whatever it may be, five years ago, is every time we address it, Okay. If we think we're addressing it, if we think about it, or we're triggered, or we have a trauma response to that original incident, in essence, all we're doing is bypassing. We're overriding the trauma. We're going around it as opposed to through it. So, and oftentimes, I know this was my situation growing up. I don't know how about you, you uh, experienced this, Jake, but I was told a lot to get over it. Mm. Rub some dirt yeah. in it. Quit crying. Uh-huh. It's okay you're okay. right? In fact, I am more than guilty of doing this. Some of this with my own kids, like you're okay. You're okay. You're okay. You're all right. It's okay. (laughs) Right. Mm -hmm. We are projecting our discomfort onto someone else by telling them that they're okay. When in essence, that's a small T trauma and to heal that, to be compassionate in that moment, but we're not comfortable with whatever just happened. And so we project a negative response to that initial trauma response. Does that help? Yeah, for sure. That, that's that's fascinating. You know, looking at it in this way, and you're, you're talking about going through, you're talking about with, let, let's get further into this idea of, of living with the trauma mm-hmm. versus in. Uh, I think that we could use some, some deeper definitions of what those two words mean. Uh, in, with, and I think the uh, part three of this question would be, in with and is there ever over or is it is it always with mm-hmm. um is that you know is that something that happens or is it more well it's always i'm always with because it's a part of my story so mm-hmm. in with over i'd love to hear your thoughts on those three words sure. and kind of how yeah. we put those yeah. together yeah oftentimes we see i'll give you an example oftentimes we'll be working with a client and the triggering will come forth and it brings forth through emotion, through tears most of the mm. time. And we'll stop in that moment and say, tell me what's going on. What's bringing that emotion? How are you doing with that? Because in essence, what that is, that's the definition of being in your trauma. Being with it is a reference, Jake, to how one of the modalities that we leverage in helping others heal their trauma is what we call internal family systems, IFS. Parts work, if you have heard of, heard of that, if the audience has heard of parts work. And so when we're with it, we can stand next to it, literally and figuratively, right? Is that we can go back and actually have a conversation with the part that was traumatized. What is incredibly freeing for our clients is to understand that you're not broken. You're not a hot mess, right? is instead there are parts of you that are wounded. There are parts of you that are traumatized. And so what we can do is we can go back and actually have conversations with those parts and address them and respect them, honor them, give them the space and let them be heard. Because the reason why negative patterns consistently continue is because we've overrode, okay? We have bypassed the trauma, we have ignored and we've told those parts to be quiet. Right. In essence, we've said, shh, be quiet. I don't want to hear it anymore. When in essence, well, those parts well, are simply. Let me put to, pause yeah, on that. that. What is a, an example of bypassing? 
what what is an example of bypassing is saying shh be quiet i don't want to hear it push it away stop talking mm -hmm. to me i don't want to hear i yeah. want to here's an example toxic positivity mm -hmm. we have an entire workshop in which we teach about toxic positivity yeah where oh it's okay it's fine tomorrow will be better time heals all wounds <laughs> that's an mm -hmm. example of toxic positivity. it's overriding the part of us that is still so traumatized right the original yeah. incident is still there that's in it with it is okay part i see you can we have a conversation because mm. in essence every single part of us okay even if it seems like it's a negative effect a negative narrative saying don't do that jake don't go there don't take that risk that's a managing yes. part that is trying to in essence take care of you and protect you from getting hurt again so its role is actually of positive intent but we see it as negative, like, oh, that's preventing me from moving forward. I'm stuck. And well, don't go there because you might get hurt again. It's true. You could. Right. And yes. so to build a friendship, it's true. I mean, if you take a yeah. risk, you could fall down for sure. Sure. So, so what we want to do is we want to build right in the neuro pathway from that part to what we refer to in IFS is called the self. This is the calm, confident, um, foundation of who we are in our truest, most positive essence. So overriding is saying, eh, tomorrow will be better. I need to stop listening to the voices, right? I need to stop listening to that negativity, right? Mm. Good vibes only, right? Yeah. Is an example of overriding trauma. Is kind of, kind of trying to just willpower through it. Hey, exactly. now I don't need to, in the way that you, you, have a cold shower or something, a state, you know, if you're doing, doing a, a mm -hmm. cold, you know, cold therapy and those kind of things, Wim Hof stuff. And you're, you're doing that saying, okay, I can do it. I can do it. And that's a whole different conversation. Cause now I'm thinking, well, that's not really how that works, but that doesn't matter. <laughs> that's okay. Um, but, that's okay. but the point is, is that it is, it, it's looking at it and saying, okay, willpower, I can get through this instead of actually going through it when when you're saying i can get through this what we're really saying is i can just ignore it and put my head down and run forward but what you're saying is you really need to go through this and and it, it's really interesting i think oftentimes the question has the answer clarity has the answer and that's just kind of what what is and you just say what's going on or why do you feel this way it's so interesting you immediately get to the answer because like when you said Oh, I'm supposed to be over it. And your question was interesting. Why should you? And you were getting to the origin of the belief of why. And do you think that people can have trauma about their trauma? Is this something that happens? Like, like they can have an experience that happened, but then they're having some kind of internal trauma. Uh, maybe it's even a little T at this point, but they're having that kind of internal dialogue saying, I can't feel that way. I shouldn't feel that way. I went through all of that. Um, that, that would be an interesting thought there, but I loved how you got into origin of the belief. Why is it that you feel that way and how that just opens up so much? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Let me address that first. It's important that we, we go through a sequence where we'll ask somebody to identify, in essence, what we're trying to identify is the original incident, the original trauma. And we ask them, hmm. so tell me about a behavior that you're feeling right now. You know what? Uh, for instance, I can't get back to the gym. 
there's a behavior, or I overspend, there's a behavior. Now we want to then move to an emotion associated with that behavior. Ah, oh, shame, mm, guilt, uh, frustration, anger, rage. I'm disappointed in myself, mm, right? Now tell me about the belief behind that emotion. I'm never gonna do it. I'm never gonna change. It's never gonna happen. I'm a failure. My dad was right. And then what will happen from there is then that will help us then to again to identify the original incident, which would have been potentially a moment when dad screamed at me, mom screamed at me, some sort of um, parental adult figure said, see, you're not good enough. See, you failed. Mm -hmm. So now we've taken a today behavior, Jay, today. I yes. overspend. I overeat. I'm not going to get back to the gym all. And it takes us all the way to oh, now we've identified an original incident. And that's when we can then rewire, go back and begin the conversation with that part. Okay. Not mm. us, but that part. So we can say, okay, I hear you. Seven-year-old who was there when dad screamed and yelled and told me I was a failure. Now we're going to get somewhere. So to answer your question, to come back to the re-traumatization is the trigger, the minor, the more minor trigger of someone yelling at them takes them immediately back to that moment when dad screamed and yelled and reinforces, <laughs> reinforces the negative pattern that says, see, told you, you're not good enough. That's why you are. Yeah. Ah, I mean, that, that's so interesting to, to put that together. And, and the reason I laugh is I'm just thinking about different relationships, different connections throughout my life and how like certain people have words that I might use that word, but to them, it means something completely different. It's just like off limits. Like to some person, I might say, oh, I was kind of mad. I was kind of mad at you. And to one person, it's like, well, that doesn't matter. And to someone else that becomes a huge trigger and frustration is okay, but mad, that's not okay. And, and how people have these different things. And, and it just makes so, so much sense that it's all going back to some origin of that belief that this word means something that's a big deal where this word doesn't or, or acting this way or raising your voice or not raising your voice. You know, I, I've known of couples that, you know, some couples, they will never, ever, ever raise their voice. And then another couple who will feel like if they're not raising their voices, then that means that they don't actually care. I'm not saying either is right, but both have definitions, which is so fascinating. And I've never thought that maybe the reason of that comes back to some form of trauma. So that's very enlightening to me. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And thank you for that feedback. What's really important, and we can just step right into this real quick, is in those yeah. partnerships, in those marriages, it's super important for each individual to be open and curious when a trigger does take place and not to shun or shame the person like, what is your problem? All I did was say this, that is no big deal. <laughs> that is, yeah. that is shaming 101, right? I don't know why you get so upset when I do this. What is wrong with you? You're too much. You're not enough. No one else gets upset like you do when I say this. Shame, 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 <laughs> right? Yes. That is laying down the shame trail, right? That doesn't allow us to be productive. Rather than we want to remain curious rather than critical. That's one of our 
guidelines of engagement here at Darren Deeply, be curious rather than critical by saying, huh, I've recognized that that was triggering for you. Help mm. me understand why you got upset. Okay. Now, when we first get into relationships and whether it's a romantic relationship or whether it's a friendship and we notice and we recognize a triggering event, that may be hard to do because that person may not be ready to share why that was so bothersome. Yeah. Um, but for the person who made the statement that was triggering for the other person is to <sighs> be calming, take a breath, be patient and ask questions. Oh, wow. I had no idea that that was triggering for you. And I care about you and I want to know more. Would you be open to share with me? Do you know why that that was so triggering for you? And if you don't, that's okay too. Just know that I'm here to support you. And I want to find a way in which for us to communicate better using that type of language, right? Is providing the person who was triggered. Oh, I'm safe here. I'm safe. So even if I'm not ready to share that traumatic moment, in most of the time, they don't even know what it is, which is really how we help people get to is, in fact, we were working with a, a retreat event a couple of weeks ago. And she exclaimed in the group setting, she said, I don't even know what traumatized me as a kid. And I know that I was traumatized. I mean, she doesn't, she, yeah. she cannot even go there yet. And so our work with her is simply to identify the behaviors of today and help link emotion, response, feeling to the original incident. And so it is a journey to go back there. And again, those parts, they want to scream and, and yell and they say, pay attention to me. Sometimes that connection is incredibly hard to come to, especially, especially in a relationship, back to the relationship conversation. When we're working on ourselves so much, and then we have a partner who is doing the same work, right? It's really, yeah. really, really a challenge to, as we like to say, the definition of a relationship is a little off topic, maybe not. A definition of a relationship, right, is that you provide a safe, secure, and challenging container in which to support your partner's healing. That's mm. all a relationship is. We, we, we put on all kinds of different things. Well, I love them, and I cherish them, and I honor them till death do us part, and all this, all this all this other stuff. And those things are important. Yeah. But ultimately, if we are committed to our partner, to our spouse and say, you know what, honey, I am committed to supporting your healing. Oh, that provides a beautiful, safe, secure and challenging. And when I say challenging, I mean an accountable container in which, yeah. as we like to say it daring deeply, I love you just as you are with all your flaws and all your beauty marks and all your pain and all the wonderful things that have happened to you. I love you just as you are here today. And I love you more not to leave you there. That's in essence, That's so cool. what we want in a relationship is I love you right as you are, babe. Love you right as you are. And I love you more not to leave you in that space. That's the accountability piece. Well, and I think that that's such a great thing because what you're saying is not, I will love you more when you do this. You're not saying I will love you more when you change, when you get over this, when you do those kind of things. You're saying I love you too much to allow you to stay in the place that you're at. My love doesn't change whether you decide you're going to put your heels in and stay there or if you decide to move forward, but I'm going to continue mm -hmm. to work with you because that is a way that I'm showing love. I, I think that that's a, that's a really great thing. Um, I had a question that popped up when it comes to the, these kind of traumas. You're talking about how 
which is very interesting saying that um, most of the time they're not even aware what it is, but when you just go backwards, you can find what that moment is. A lot of times these are parental relationships. It doesn't mean that the parent, well, I'm mean, certainly there's, there's situations where the parents did horrible things and those kind of, kind of things, but I'm talking about in a situation where look, the parent, they were doing their best. They, they made a mistake. And I, I think about it, my son turned five yesterday. And I think about it, even knowing all this stuff, I know that I'm going to create limiting beliefs in his mind. I know it's going to happen. I know that I'm going to be a part of some kind of traumatizing experience, something I said at some point. I know that's going to happen. So my question is, how does somebody, uh, what was your wording, live with it? How does someone live with it? How does someone um, you know, use that, live with it, handle that? I'm avoiding the word deal with it, but uh, what's the word you would use there? Okay. Is it deal with it? Is that okay? Process it. Mm-hmm. Heal it. Heal right. it. How does someone do that with somebody that they they have a good relationship with this person? They have a good relationship with the person, and there's probably no ill will. Like if it's something that someone did, it's it's. I feel like it's almost. Now, I don't want to use the word easier, but it's it's less complicated when it's this person's bad and and they did something bad to me mm-hmm. when it's someone that it's like, well, it's a parent or whoever. And I love this person, but there's these challenging complications going on within there that created that situation. How do you how, how do you do that? How, how do you deal with that in a, in a healthy way and move that relationship forward? Yeah. yeah. We, we institute what we call the yes and principle mm-hmm. as opposed to the either or. So the yes and says this, Jake. <clears throat> yes, you hurt me and I love you. Yes, this is hard and I'm committed to moving forward. Yes, I'm angry with you right now. And... I am committed to understand and move this relationship forward as opposed Mm -hmm. to you hurt me. How dare you? I'm going to find a way to punish you more. You're deserving of that. (laughs) That's what this, then that yes. And rather than if this, then that exactly yes. And rather than either or right. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's a bad person. Therefore, why would I even try to reconcile or find forgiveness or try to find healing pathways with that relationship? Now, what we also talk about is there's concentric circles, relational circles within us, right? That those, our spouse, our children are very, very close, and then they go this way. And you must make boundary decisions on how far you're going to go. How, how much energy am I going to extol on this particular relationship? Is it worth me going to those lengths to try to heal and find forgiveness and those types of things? So how do you, it begins, this is the, this is the hard part, because we, we have folks come to us and go, Help me heal my marriage, okay. mm. which of course we can. Okay. But we, yeah, no, with that, I, I saw the smile. So what do you think I'm going to say? <laughs> well, I don't know. I was just thinking about that. I was just yeah. thinking about how sometimes it's, it's a, there's misunderstandings of what that might mean, you know, us being mm-hmm. in the helping profession, you know, yep. being a, a coach and a speaker now for over 10 years. It is interesting when people come in that, that statement of, uh, it's great that they said, help me do it. Cause sometimes it's just fix this for me. And um, that can be, yep. it's always more 
complicated than mm -hmm. people might think at the beginning. And it requires more work. Oftentimes, something like a relationship might have nothing to do with their connection with each other. It might have to do with completely separate things within themselves. Sometimes a, a, a business, someone might come to me say, well, I, I'd love to have you help me you know, build my business, fix my business, all these kind of things. And once we get into it, we're not even talking about their business because that's not the issue. You have all the right things to do, but there's a block. Exactly. Exactly. Which is where I was going to go. So great minds think alike, my friend. Right. Yes. In essence, somebody comes to and says, help me fix my marriage. Help me heal my marriage, whatever it may be. And certainly we're going to talk about the relationship, but we're always going to, I always warn new clients about this. Be careful what you wish for. Because what we're going to do is we're going to focus on you. So make no, 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 no mistake here. Okay. Though your relationship problems have nothing to do with the relationship, nothing. I'll even go so far as to say, and to take this the way it is through that definition, there's really no such thing as my marriage. Mm. There is no, my relationship. I want to save my marriage. We often hear. What are you trying to save? Hmm. Interesting question. In essence, what we're wanting to do is to go back and heal the self, heal the individual, which brings me to something that, that we encourage all those in committed relationships or wanting a committed relationship or a marriage down the road is to encourage them to come to the table, come to the ceremony, come to if we're redoing our vows, whatever it may be, is to take all the vows that we think are the most important. And everybody has different vows. I promise to do this. I confirm this. You're the most amazing thing. Oh my gosh, you look great. In the, okay. <laughs> yeah. What we want to rather is to make central this vow and this vow only. I promise to consistently heal, grow, and transform. And that's all. Not if you do, not till death do us part, not in sickness and health, is simply to make the vow to the other person that you promise, you vow to consistently heal, grow, and transform. Because imagine having two individuals who say that to one another. If both are committed to the healing and growing, it looks like this, as opposed to like this or like this, yeah. which is enmeshment and codependency, right? Or this, where one person yeah. is always growing and healing. The other person's like, nah, I'm good. I'm good. You go do your thing. But I, I'm yeah. good right now, right? Which, which is a lot of ascension and why a lot of relationships come to a completion, quite honestly, is because one person, when people say we've grown apart, right? In essence, what we're saying is I've decided to grow and to work on myself, do the inner work, as we say in the professional, professional, personal development, professional development world yeah. is I, I want to do the inner work. And the other person's like, no, I'm good. I'm yes. Good. Yes. Which yeah. I love the way that you said that saying uh, relationship coming to a completion because mm. there's so much less judgment on that. So much less judgment than this relationship ended this relationship fell apart, any of those kind of things, a relationship came to a completion. I just, I just wanted to point out that language. And I, I thought that was great, but I, I, I think that there is a lot of in this personal development world, there's a lot of people who um, become so much stronger together because of, because of it. 
But there's also a lot of people where, as you said, the relationship comes to a completion. And I think that that's often the case is when one spouse is um, really doing that work and the other, like you said, now nah, I'm okay. What advice do you have to that person where they're doing the things, they're doing the stuff and their spouse really just isn't? Um, what, what advice do you have for that person who's doing the work yeah, I'll just leave it open rather than saying yeah. to do what, just what is the yeah, advice of that right. person who's yeah. doing the work and their spouse really is not and they're they're growing apart this way. Yeah, I probably receive this question in some form or another every single day. Like, so what happens sure. when, <laughs> what happens when my spouse, yeah. what happens when uh, an employee, what happens when my partner in business, what happens when in any type of relationship, but most notably in the romantic side, yes. this is the hardest, this is the hardest question there is no answer other than we cannot, we have to go back to one of the four agreements and one of our tenants at Daring Deeply, which is take nothing personal, which is so hard, so hard to do. Yeah. Take nothing personal is we cannot control, manipulate, nag, force anyone to do anything, <laughs> which is so hard to do. Of course. And we will sometimes veil it in, but I want the best for them because I love them. Because they have so much, and here's the bad P word. Are you ready for the bad P word, Jake? Mm. They have so much potential. Yes. Okay. We cannot fall in love with potential. Okay. Yeah. Someone else's potential for sure. So when someone is growing and someone comes to me, oh my gosh, I'm growing and I'm doing all these wonderful things and I'm, I'm moving forward and I'm transforming, I'm growing, I'm healing. And my spouse isn't. And I'll ask the question. So what happens if you continue to do so and they continue to stay there? I don't know. It's going to be incredibly suffering. Okay. Then what? Right. What happens next? I just don't know if I can stay in this. Okay. So what would that look like? Right. And it's really scary to go down those roads. But the reality is, Jake, when we're working with clients who are in those scenarios, they've already gone there. We're not planting anything that they already haven't had those conversations, even though they don't want to have those conversations. So can things shift? Can things heal? Can things transform? Of course they can. The very best thing, the wisdom that I would give to that person is continue to be you. Continue mm -hmm. to do what you do, what you do, what is working for you. And sometimes that can be inspiring to the spouse. Sometimes it can. Right. Of course. But, to, but to go to the side of, well, I'm doing this. Why aren't you, don't you want to come to this marriage retreat with me? Don't you want to, don't you love me? Right. That's, that's classic manipulation. <laughs> right. Yeah. Because in essence, I've, I've often said this and, and those, those that are familiar with game of Thrones will understand this. Hmm. There is, there is a very powerful scene in which the main female character, right, is caught in a raging fire, and everything around her burns to the ground, and yet she remains. And I won't get into all the details of that. It doesn't really matter. The point is, though, in essence, this is what the way that we must look at who we are as a soul and a spirit and individual, that when the world, God forbid, comes crashing down, everything, your car, your money, your security, your spouse, your children, everything is taken. Who are you? Who are you? Right. And that sounds in some ways can be really macabre and dark. The point is, though, that if we are caring for ourselves, if we are truly doing the 
deep inner work and knowing yeah. that no matter what, that we're going to move forward, we're going to grow and transform. That's why that vow is so powerful, right? And it has absolutely no way in which to be, what's the word I'm looking for? Be broken. Because the only person that we have any type of influence and impact and control over really is ourselves. So if yeah. a person is moving forward and they were trying to drag along their spouse, there's really no solution other than to continue to do the work. Yeah. As hard as that is, as hard as that is. And I know it's hard. I've been there. <laughs> I've, I've, I have been there and it's super hard. And I, I think that that's such a great way that you, you walk through that just by asking questions as opposed to saying a blanket statement, if they are not, then you should. And I think that's what a lot of people want, but you're just saying, well, okay, well, what does that mean if they were to stay in the same spot? What would that mean to you? What would that be? How would that work? What would those kind of things, you know, how would that look? And I think that that's really important to see and, and to understand that every relationship is different. You know, some relationships you look at and they, they have the exact same interests. They have the exact same things. They have all of those kind of things. So I look at my relationship, we have a lot of, a lot of um, interest in common. We also have a lot of separate interests. And I, I think that for us, valuing that is a good thing. Supporting that is a good thing. And I have ways that I like to grow. She has ways that she likes to grow. And I've come to the conclusion they don't all need to be the same. They don't need to be exactly the same way to grow. Um, and I think that sometimes people... People think that people see that. I'm sure that people see, see you and Paige and think, oh, well, that's what I want. I want it to be like that. Mm -hmm. And it just doesn't always have to look like that. Mm -mm. I don't know. What, what do you say when people say that mm -hmm. statement? Well, I, I want my relationship to be like yours is. Mm -hmm. Is that something that comes up? It does. It does. It does often. Um, you're the inspiration. I've been praying for a couple like you to be an impact mm -hmm. in my life. You know, you guys have it all to, you know, the reality is come and, you know, sit down with us for a couple of hours. <laughs> that doesn't, that doesn't necessarily mean that, Hey, this is all veiled and it's, you know, it's not real and authentic. I will, I will share with you when people compliment our relationship and they do it all the time. And we're incredibly honored and blessed to receive those compliments. What I will say is thank you. We work tirelessly on this relationship. And you know what? Thank you for that compliment. And it's true. Now that doesn't come from ego. That comes from really hard work. So if I go up to Tom Brady and I say, brother, you're the goat. You were absolutely the goat. You are yeah. incredible. His, maybe it wouldn't be. This is why we want to work with Tom and Giselle, by the way. Um, yeah. um, is Tom may deflect it. He may receive it. But ultimately the truth is he's worked really hard to be the goat yes. really hard, right? I know what goes into, I only know a shred of it because I pay attention to that because I'm a sports nut. So I know yeah. what goes into his preparation. It's just not three hours on Sunday afternoon. It's what's going on on Saturday morning at 6 a.m. or Tuesday morning at 10 a.m., right? That, and that's the work in which Paige and I put into our relationship is we're working tirelessly. So when we do show up, so to speak, we've done the work it looks like it's super easy. And, oh my gosh, they have it all together. Okay. No, we don't. But we work yeah. really, really, really hard on ourselves first. Oh, there's the vow. I promise, Paige. This is what I'm going to say to her in August when we get married. 
I promise. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. My vow to you, sweetie, and my promises, I will consistently grow, heal, and transform. And if she chooses to say the same to me, wow, that, in essence, is what makes our relationship what it is. That's what people want. What they don't see is the work, right? They don't necessarily see the journaling and the conflict and the ensuring that we find resolution and we complete those those really, really challenging conversations. And sometimes it's really hard because you're right. We have differing views and opinions and likes and dislikes. The way that she loves to relax, I like to relax differently. The the Mm. music, don't even get me started on the music, Jake. I'm just saying, okay, just saying. Paige loves country music, <laughs> loves country music. God bless her. And guess what? We're, guess where we are. Guess where we live. Music city. Nashville. Yeah. So she loves country. I love hip hop. Mm. So we find ways <laughs> in which that can work. She supports my music. I support her music, but it doesn't mean that I'm, I'm going to just love country and she's just going to love hip hop. And we're going to have, sometimes we're going to have conflict over that and that's Okay. But I am supporting, supporting who she is, not giving her permission, but I'm supporting who she is because I love who and what she is, right? And I'm consistently asking the question, why am I here? Why am I in this relationship? And sometimes that, that question can be really scary for people like, oh my gosh, I can't ask that. Why am I still here? Why do I want a relationship with my husband of 10 years? Can I really ask that? Yes, you can. It goes back to the initial what I was what I was stating earlier is we want to we commit as an organization daring deeply commit to providing a safe secure and challenging container in which for people's feelings to be okay because it's not until their feelings and their emotions and their trauma are okay that they can be healed so if they're shamed like oh my gosh you went through what I'm so sorry okay that doesn't help us (laughs) right right that's pity right what people need is compassion. And compassion is, yeah, I get it. I've been there. I feel you. I haven't been through exactly what you've been through, but I've been through something similar. Tell me more. Help me understand. I'm here to support you no matter what. Wow. Okay. Okay. If I had that type of safety, and that's what I want to provide Paige, and I know that's what she wants to provide me, and that's, in essence, the relationship that people see on social media. We ain't perfect. Believe me. Not even close. But we work really, really, really hard at it. I think that that's so cool to see that because that that right there, that's what people are really looking for. Now they might not know that, but that's what they're really looking for. Now I I I'm looking at the time. I can't believe how quickly this conversation has gone by. Um, I feel like we started 15 minutes ago. Um, but in in that being said, I I'd, I'd love to leave our listeners with a a piece of practical advice if someone is has a block that maybe they don't, they don't know why it's there. Someone's in that kind of spot where they're going, I got this block. I don't know why it's there. What is, what is one simple thing that they can do to be able to find that? What did you call it? Origin? Original uh, incident. OI is what we say. Original incident. Okay. So what would be something practical that they could do? One simple thing that they can do to kind of start doing that work. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, I think the simple, and I loved what you said earlier, Jake, when you said, I don't want to say easy, but it's not complicated. What we say is, it's simple, not easy. Mm. It's simple yeah. to go to the gym, like to get into your car, 
turn on the car, drive to the gym is a simple process. It's yes. three steps, but is yeah. it easy? Oh, hell no. It's not easy. <laughs> <laughs> People say, so the art of losing weight, simple calories in calories out simple process. Is it easy? Oh, hell no. So wow. first, first to say, and to extend yourself grace that this may be a simple process, but it is not easy. Right. So, and I, I aforementioned this, if there feels like a block, if there is a negative narrative that is going on is to be aware and identify a behavior associated with that pattern that continues to rotate that block that continues to be. And we alluded to it earlier. I don't want to go to the gym. I overeat. I overspend. I tend to lay on the couch when I'm depressed, whatever it is. Right. And they'll be able to identify that behavior. This is what I do. When so-and-so talks to me, I fly off the handle. There's the behavior, that behavior when traced back can and will identify an original incident. Okay. And it's when that original incident is identified, can we begin the healing process? And that's in essence, can this, and by the way, let me, let me say this. Can this be done on your own? Sure. Right. As we know, right? you, you, you yeah. know, we're probably where I'm going with this, right? Of course. What we, what we say, what we say, certainly in our space is co-regulation is the quickest and most efficient way to healing. And when I mean co-regulation, I mean with others, with professionals, whether they're therapists or coaches, right? And other folks that are on the same pathway. Right? Yes. Can you do this work by yourself? Sure, right? But it wasn't until I hired a coach, Jake, right? And you probably were in the same space. It wasn't entire, until I hired a coach, took that risk and was like, I have no idea how I'm going to pay for this. I have yeah. no idea how this is going to, but I'm, I don't want to continue to do the same thing over and over again and expect different results. Yes. So what I will say is this work is done the most efficient and most healing way when it's done co-regulating with others, professionals who have done the work and could lead you from the behavior to that original incident, that trauma, essentially that part of you is what's creating that block and keeping you from moving forward. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Getting a coach, getting a therapist, all of those kind of things, I think is the most important thing that someone can do, um, I, I look at it right now, I, I'm starting to see a shift, but I think that seeing a coach, seeing a therapist, seeing these kinds of, of professionals, especially in mental health, the WHO is saying that they are expecting a pandemic level mental health crisis uh, mm -hmm. in the very near future. And I think that as a society, we need to change the idea of seeing a therapist or seeing a coach, some other type of mental health professional. We need to see that as the same thing as going to the doctor, going to the dentist, going to the gym, going to any of these things. You're not going there because you're broken. You're going there because it's a good thing to do. And I think that that's so important. <laughs> Absolutely. Amen to that, brother. I, I could not, okay. could not agree more. I th and I think we're moving in a positive direction with some really yeah. powerfully influential and impactful folks in the world, celebrity types who are like, you know what? The Simone Biles of the world, God bless her, where she says, mm -hmm. you know what? I had a block. What she's saying is she has trauma. That's what mm. she's saying. In essence, I have trauma and it's a block and I'm stuck and I need to figure out a way to unblock that. I think those, those types of voices, those high influence voices are helping us move the needle a little bit quicker to say, yeah, 
it's not only okay. I, I've often said this. I love people who are in therapy. I love people who have coaches, right? They're the ones who are like, you know what? I can't do this on my own. And it's yes. no longer associated with shame. Yes. Wait, the muscle up, the John Wayne thing, like I'm good on my own, right? Yes. Is, is by the way, a cry for help, right? To say- 100%. Cry for help. And so we want to be able to provide that safe, secure and challenging environment for people to say it's okay to ask for help. And that's what we want to do. Yeah. Um, last weekend, my brother went and saw the band Imagine Dragons and um, have you heard their most recent album by any chance? I don't think so. I'm 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 a Dragons fan ish, but I'm not. Yeah, well, I'm not, yeah. Their most recent album was not. It's not their most popular, and it's not their most popular because it's a a, a different shift. It's a it's a different shift. I personally okay. love it. I think it's fantastic. But there's a song that I want you to go and listen to that you're gonna love, and it's a song called "It's Okay," and the lyrics of the the lyrics of the um, chorus are, it's okay to, to be not okay. It's it. okay exactly. to be not okay. And it's Love such it. a cool, like such a cool song. And the concert, like uh, my brother took a video of it. I'll, I'll text you this video right afterwards, but Please. it was a video of him talking to the audience saying, look, it, you're not weak for getting help. I, I've got help and not just got help, I continue to get help. And it's something that we need to do. And I, I think that we need those voices and it seems like they are coming out. And I think that it's such an important thing. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I love that. I, I will definitely listen to that. And that is that is a mantra we communicate not perfectly in that lyrical way necessarily, but <laughs> it's, sure. it's absolutely, it's abs however you wanna say, it's okay to be not okay. It's okay to be messed up it's okay to be to not have all the answers it's okay to ask for help it's 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 more than okay it's necessary that's really where we want to move the needle it's absolutely necessary for us to get that help for sure and yeah. and speaking of which david if, if people listening want to get this help through you yes they can go to a therapist they can go uh, different coaches they know but this is something that you specifically work with with daring mm -hmm. deeply so what's mm -hmm. the best way to get in touch with you to learn more about what you and Paige do absolutely they can find us all over the socials so facebook instagram linkedin uh, our website is daring-deeply.com say that real quick so there is a yes. dash between daring and deeply where daring deeply with no dash takes you i have no responsibility i have no idea where <laughs> that might take you I'm just saying <laughs> just saying just saying bob um <laughs> But uh, daring-deeply.com, you can contact us that way. Uh, we have an in, really an incredible presence uh, on Facebook. That's kind of the kind of our main space. Uh, but uh, you can Google us. You can find us in all kinds of ways. All right. Well, that sounds awesome. Thanks so much for being here, thank David. You, this was amazing. And uh, I, I can't thank you enough. This is a wonderful conversation. I hope that our listeners got a lot out of it. Um, I truly appreciate not just you showing up, but you showing up in a way that the sincerity in your questions and in your comments, I'm not saying questions to me, but the questions that you're saying to people to get them to think, I feel that you are making a true difference in the world. So thank you very much for doing that. Thank you, Jake. Thank you so much. That was a beautiful compliment. I work really hard on it. <laughs> really hard on that. Absolutely. That's how we teach our clients to receive compliments, which that's a whole nother conversation. It may be another podcast, um, but thank you so much for the compliment. And I so appreciate you, appreciate you and the impact that you're making. And it's been great getting to know you. And thanks for having me on. This has been awesome.
Um, go Dodgers. Yeah. yeah, there you go. Well, let's end with a virtual fist bump right here. Here you go. Virtual fist bump. Boom. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you got something great out of it. And most importantly, I hope that you're going to implement something that you learned in this episode because nothing happens until you take action. If you're a six or seven figure entrepreneur who's looking to up level your network with a group of people who also have a rising tide lifts all boats attitude, then come and join our exclusive network of successful entrepreneurs by going to mtmsuccess.com slash rising tide.